What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That was a pretty rough loss for a team that's like trying to get into, you know, the eight seed or the nine seed potentially. Um, and like in a game that the Wizards kind of had in hand, it seemed like um, towards the end, um, trying to steal a win from the Hawks, like it kind of sucks losing a game that way. Um, but anyways, like they were big time underdogs coming into the game. So just to compete like that throughout the game is pretty impressive. Um, so the, the Wizards just lost to the Hawks, 120 to 116. Um, that win pushes the Hawks record to 39 and 31. And it pushes the Wizards record down to 32 and 38. Um, going over the overview and four factor stuff for this game. Um, or I guess no, coming into this game, I forgot to do that last time, I think. Uh, to say the Hawks stuff. So coming in this game, the Hawks had a point differential plus 1.5, which is good for 13th in the NBA. Um, their offensive rating was 115.3, which is 9th in the NBA. And their defensive rating was 113.8, which is 21st in the NBA. Um, in terms of overview and four-factor stuff, the Hawks offensive rating was 115.4, um, which is in um, the 58th percentile. And the Wizards was 109.4, which is in the 39th percentile. Um, effective field goal percentage for the Wizards was 49.5 in the 26th percentile, and for the Hawks was 57, which is in the 67th percentile. Turn rate for the Wizards insanely low, 6.6%, um, 97th percentile, which is really, really impressive, considering that like Russell Westbrook has been um, more turnover prone this season, and when like he's the number one guy on team and he's like the main, you know, um, offensive engine for it, like him not to not really turn the ball over as much is like impressive. Um, the Hawks turnover rate was also pretty low, as 12.5%. Um, offensive rebound rate for both teams is pretty low. Um, Wizards were at 19.6 and Hawks were at 17.8. Free throw rate for the Wizards is pretty low at 15.8, and then the Hawks was pretty high at 25.6. Um, to go over some, or I guess <laughs> I've for just to touch on super quickly, at one point the Wizards win probably was um, 94.2 with nine and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
um, the Wizards were up 102 to 90. Um, and then with as little as one minute left, the Wizards were up by two points. Their win percentage was 66.1%. Um, but if you want to go like a little further back, like the Wizards with like two minutes left had a win probability of like 71% with um, four minutes left, it was 74.4%. Like with four minutes and 25 seconds left, it was 78.4%. Um, this is a game that the Hawks kind of stole from the Wizards. Um, but like overall, like the Wizards almost stole it from the Hawks just because like obviously they're missing Beal. Um, so it was like, it was, it's a good team effort, but you know, like (laughs) it's disappointing to lose a game that it seems it felt like you should have won. Um, but yeah, so going over some of the, um, general box score numbers, Russell Westbrook had 34 points, um, 15 assists and five rebounds, um, played 40 minutes in this game, which is a very, very high amount for Russell Westbrook. It was minus four, um, which means the team was even with him off the court, which is pretty impressive, but it was only eight minutes, obviously. Um, he was 12 of 28 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, and 6 of 8 from the free throw line. Just really, really weird. Um, so the 34 points came on 32 shooting possessions, which isn't very efficient. But the fact that he was 4 for 9 from 3 um, makes it kind of weird that um, his true shooting wouldn't have been better. Um, but Howe Neto had 14 points. Um, 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Rui Hachimura had 11 points. Um, he started in this game. Um, it's still, he's still kind of getting back into it though. Uh, like he didn't close. Um, Dallas Rattons had 14 points on five total of the field, four of 10 from three, which is ridiculous. Um, Daniel Gafford er, had 16 points, eight of 11 from the field. Um, he did really, really well against Onyeka Kongwu offensively. Um, defensively was a whole nother story. Um, but anyways, um, looking at the Hawks, like Trey Young just absolutely destroyed the Wizards. <laughs> um, he had 33 points, nine assists, um, 12 of 25 from the field, 7 of 7 from the free throw line, and 2 of 8 from 3. Um, so those 33 points coming on 28 and a half shooting possessions. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, he's like awesome. <laughs> he had 20 points, was plus 12 on the floor. Um, he um, was 8 of 15 from the field, um, didn't get to the line at all. 4 of 10 from 3. Clint Capella at 70 points, 7 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 at the line. Um, didn't have as many offensive rebounds this game, only had one. Um, last game he had like some ridiculous number. Um, John Collins at 18 points, 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Um, hit that big one late, which we will talk about. Onyeke Kongu off the bench at 11 points. Like I said earlier, him and Gafford, like neither of them could, um, did a great job of defending each other. Um, but they both put up some points. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about is what happened down the stretch. Um, I have to pull up the box score super quick. Play by play. Quarter four. Okay. So... I want to see where I took my first note. Um, okay, so I'll just talk about the, like the last like forty-five ish seconds of the game. Um, trying to find it in the play-by-play. Um, and so first, what I talk about was um, so Trey Young like shot that step back three um, with about like fifty seconds left, and he missed. Russell Westbrook got the rebound. Um, they the Wizards brought it up the court. Um, they tried to like get something quick with. A double drag, um, and then after the double drag, like Bertans was the first screen, um, and then he came af- off a pin down. Um, he wasn't open, so it's kind of just morphed into like Russell Westbrook doing an ISO, which I never love late in games when it just turns an ISO ball. Like I'd rather at least see like a spread pick and roll, or like I don't know, like even like the ghost screen that the Wizards love to run with Bertans and Russell Westbrook. Like I just hate like just watching Russell Westbrook ISO um, in late game situations because first of all, like he's not a very good player in isolation, um, like just per the tracking data from NBA.com. Um, and then second of all, like you don't run isolations throughout the game, every single play, when you want to get a bucket, why would you do a late in the game? Um, when it's, you know, even more crucial 
um, towards your win probability to score points. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me that the Wizards would just, um, you know, kind of not really have any secondary offense after the first look doesn't work. But that's <laughs> that's kind of been the story of the Wizards' offense throughout the season a little bit. Um, but still, like, I don't get it. Um, so after that double drag, um, Russell Westbrook took his rim. He got blocked by Capella. Um, Capella blocked it with his left hand. Um, you know I love left-handed blocks here. Um, so yeah, he blocked it with his left hand. Um, the Hawks got the, or I think it bounced right to Trey Young, who got the rebound. He pushed it up the court. Um, it was like a four-on-three situation, I think. So really, really tough spot for the Wizards. Obviously, you pick up the ball, you protect the paint first, and then like the Hawks had, they got wide and deep, which is what you want to do in um, transition. Um, so they had two guys in each corner. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Like one of those guys is going to be open if you execute your fast break correctly, and like the Hawks did. Um, so Trey Young just passed it to a wide open John Collins, um, who made a corner three um, to put the Hawks up by one point. So that so before that it was one sixteen, one fourteen um, in favor of the Wizards. And then Collins put them up 117 to 116. Um, and that was with 24.8 seconds left in the game. Um, after that, for the defensive possession, the Hawks subbed out Trey Young and they subbed in Solomon Hill. Um, so the next play, it was a ghost, but it was like on the side. Um, so it was like empty side action. Um, Bertans came up like a setting screen. He ghosted it. Um, and then he popped out. Russell Westbrook um, drove to the paint. Um, help came. So he kicked it out. And for some strange reason... Ish Smith was in the game in, in this late game situation. Um, so obviously it was the Ish Smith like record, record scratch. Like he's not going to shoot in that situation. Um, and the defense knows it. So Ish Smith caught it. He swung it to Howell Neto. Um, and then it was a long closeout from John Collins. Um, Howell Neto took him off the dribble. He got inside the lane or not inside the lane, but like about 10 feet away. Um, and then he shot a floater um, with 16 seconds left and like a floater and like Clint Capella was there. Like he got a decent like contest on it. Like a 10 foot floater over Clint Capella from your six, two guard is not what you really, really want. Um, when you're losing by one point with a 0.8 difference between the shot and game clock, um, like that, that should have been kicked out. Like that was not a good decision. Um, after that Solomon Hill got the rebound. One thing that was a good decision, um, really, really good recognition by Westbrook. I think it was Westbrook, um, who was probably screaming at Len to foul. Um, but Solomon Hill got the rebound. Um, if there's one guy on the court that you want to foul, it's not named Clint Capella. Um, it was Solomon Hill in that situation. Um, so that was really good recognition. Like sometimes teams just like kind of pout about how they just missed a shot, and then like they don't have the um, game recognition to go foul right away um, to get the poor free throw shooter. Like because a lot of times the center will grab the rebound, and then like teams will let let the other team off the hook by letting the center pass out to the guard, and then you foul the guard and like the eighty five percent free throw shooting guard instead of like the sixty five percent free throw shooting center. Um, so the Wizards did a great job of fouling Solomon Hill. Um, now Solomon Hill, like credit to him, he hit both shots. Um, I wonder what Solomon Hill's career free throw percentages. Solomon Hill stats. Been a while since I looked up Solomon Hill's stats. Okay, um, Solomon Hill's free throw percentage this year um, is seventy-five percent. I don't think he's shot very many though. I want to go to totals. I'm looking at this on Basketball Reference. So he's only shot forty-four this year, and he's seventy-five percent. Um, last year, um, in total with Memphis and Miami, he shot. 54, 74.1%. For his career, he's a 79.6%. Okay, so, like, he's not a bad free throw shooter, but, like, for someone who's so low volume like that, like, I'd rather foul him than basically, like, Bogdanovich. Like, I would, I'm not going to foul Bogdanovich Herder or Trey Young, obviously. Like, I'd, ra- I'd much rather foul Capella, but he didn't have the ball. Um, So that's, that was the second best guy to foul on the court. Um, So that's a good job of doing that. Um, But, again, credit to him. He made both free throws. Um, So then it was 13.2 seconds left. You're down by three points. You need a three. Um, So, like... Why is Alex Len in the game when he doesn't shoot at all? 
why is Ish Smith in the game when he doesn't shoot at all? Um, I understand. Like, obviously, you have to have Westbrook in the game as, like, the offensive creator hub um, to create a look for someone. But, like, why wouldn't you just surround Westbrook with your four best shooters? Um, the counterargument to that is, who are your four best shooters? Um, and my response would be, like, obviously, Bertans, obviously, Garrison Matthews. Um, and then you have Howell Neto and blank. <laughs> um, I don't even know who, like, I, I guess Rui Hachimura is the person I would put in there, but like, th- there's no way I would put in Alex Lennon. There's no way I would put in Ishmith. I'd much, 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 much rather have two shooters setting screens for each other than have a big who's just bigger setting a screen. Like that doesn't make sense to me because in the end of game situations, the defense is just going to switch everything. So like, if you have a big guy who's not even a threat to shoot, like they can just send two guys. Um, like if you're down, it's, if it's a three point game, um, the two doesn't kill you. Like the other team will happily give up a two pointer. Um, but like they can just send two guys at the like shooting threat coming off the screen if you have a big end. Now what I will say is um, when I, I I'll save it for when I go over this play. So with the Wizards ran, so they have in late game situations they always have Russell Westbrook inbounding the ball like he's the best passer on the team makes perfect sense. So he inbounds the ball to um, Dazertons. Dazertons gives a pitch back to Russell Westbrook, um, and then Dazertons goes down like he's going to come off some sort of um, floppy or like exit screen or like something like that. Um, but then he comes back up um, super quickly, um, comes off a pin down. So like talks it should be an easy execution right it should just be a switch um so Alex Len sets that pin um and Capella miscommunicates on the switch with Bogdanovich so he's he doesn't switch um so Russell Westbrook just passes to him like he's he's open but Kevin Herter made an unbelievably good play um to like recognize that a Dodger Towns is open b he was guarding Russell Westbrook and he's not afraid of him picking up the ball so he sprinted over as Russell Westbrook was making that pass to Dodger Towns contested the shot um, and then like that was tons ended up missing. I don't know how much of that was because of the contest from Herder, but I thought that was unbelievable recognition from Herder, um, to come over and help that play out. Um, and potentially maybe save the win for his, well, I guess I would have just tied it up with eight seconds left, but still like that was a phenomenal play from Kevin Herder. In my opinion, um, the Hawks got the rebound, um, the Wizards fouled, um, and then that was the game. So, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting. Like these last bunch of Wizards games have been super exciting, but You'd love to see the Wizards win some of these. Um, so, yeah, I guess the, what I want to talk about is, um, first of all, I want to talk about Trey Young. Um, so last game, Trey Young absolutely destroyed the Wizards because they were switching ball screens against him. Um, when the Hawks saw that the Wizards were switching ball screens against Trey Young, they just, like, set a screen for Dallas Rutans every single time. And Dallas Rutans were switching on to Trey Young and just getting cooked. Um, like, Gafford was also getting cooked by Trey Young um, and switches. Um, like, all the centers were, um, like, Lopez and... Len were just getting destroyed by him. Um, but Gaffer's like the guy who could have potentially stood more of a chance. But like, again, like I just don't think his footwork on the perimeter is good at all. Um, Rui Hachimura was getting cooked by Trey Young on Switch's last game. Like anyone that switched on Trey Young was just getting cooked. That was not Howonetta who did a fantastic job, I thought, just isolated on him. Um, but um, this game, the Wizards ran their conventional pick and roll coverage, which is an over and a drop. Um, so they had Howonetta chasing over the screen while the big drops against Trey Young. Um, and that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem when you're playing against Trey Young. Uh, also, like, Bertans in general for the Wizards, he has his own pick-and-roll coverage where he hard hedges, um, and he's, like, the only dude on the team that ever does that. Um, so they went back to that in this game, which I thought actually worked out well. Um, but so when you drop against Trey Young, Trey Young is, like, the best floater shooter in, like, the history of basketball. Um, so, But, like, his floater's falling off a little this season, but, like, he's, like, literally, like, the best floater shooter in, like, the history of the sport. 
Um, so when you play drop against him, one thing that the drop is trying to bait you into is to shoot that floater. Um, <laughs> so baiting the best floater shooter to shoot the floater doesn't really sound like an ideal coverage to do. Um, so Trey Young shot a bunch of floaters and he made a bunch of floaters. Um, another thing, like Trey Young only made two threes in this game. And like people think when people think of Trey Young, a lot of times they just think of him like as a shooter, like he doesn't shoot nearly as much as people think that he does, um, which is interesting. He uses, I think he's fantastic at using the threat of his three to create offense, but like he's just not as like lethal or like as potent or volume, voluminous, volume, volume, ing. <laughs> like he doesn't shoot at the volume that people like just think of him as. Um, which again, I, I don't even know what that's from, but like, um, like I don't know why that is. But like he's just so like good with his hand. He has an unbelievable handle. He has unbelievable vision. He has like he throws perfect lobs. Like the weight on all of his passes that he throws are great. He can like he's an unbelievable playmaker. Um, and he's super super quick. He knows how to use his speed. He knows how to use either hand. Um, and, like extension finishes around the rim. And then obviously the floater's insane. Like the touch is fantastic. Um, like so first of all he's killing the wizard just making floaters. Second of all, um, if he got the big to commit to his floater. And he saw that the weak side rotation wasn't there. It was like kind of like a shot. It was a pass that looked like a floater, but it was just a floating it over to the big who would just get dunks. Like, I don't know how many passes he had for dunks in this game, but it must have been a ridiculous amount. Like, he did an unbelievable job of like reading that big and just basically toying with him like all night long. Whoever was in the drop, like whether it was Gafford or like especially Alex Len was getting cooked in that. Um, but again, like if you're the weak side corner, you have to tag. If the big helps, you have to help the helper. Um, so like, a lot of times it wasn't actually Len's fault when he contested the floater because you have to do it. Otherwise, like Trayon's just going to sit there and make floaters all day long. If you're not at least like contesting, you're like, you know, like lunging out, like jumping out at it. Um, it's like, if you're Len, you have to like, you have to you know, jump on that. And if you do, then all of a sudden, if Trey Young, instead of shooting the floater towards the basket, he's throws the floater towards their big, who's Capella or John Collins or like Onyeka Kongwu, um, then all of a sudden it's a wide open dunk if um, the weak side corner isn't tagging. And that's a big issue for the Wizards. If Russell Westbrook's in that weak side corner, he misses that a lot. Like if Ish Smith is in that weak side corner, is he going to be able to tag Clint Capella? Like probably not. And then like a lot of times, like Rui made messes up a lot on that. Like even like, I love Garrison Matthews effort level. He messes up a lot in that though. Um, like the Wizards, like in terms of their help on that pick and roll coverage, it's just not very good. Um, and that's been an issue with them all year long, but like Trey Young is like such a good player, um, that he really, really, really exploited that tonight. Um, also Bogdan Bogdanovich did a fantastic job. Like he is really, really, really good in the pick and roll. Um, he made tons of really high level reads tonight. Um, he made a lot of like nice floaters. Um, and then he like, he can shoot, he can shoot off the dribble and he's like a legitimate movement shooter. Like I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is like really underrated. Um, I also think Trey Young is like, like low key, like an underrated, like offensive player like he, how insane he is offensively um like even like like John Collins I think is really good like he didn't do like that much tonight um they didn't go to as much of that mid post iso stuff which I like I I think that John Collins is really interesting as a roller um but then it's hard to do that when you also have Capella out there who like would be spending time in the dunker spot and kind of taking away the advantage that you create by having John Collins as your roller um so like I don't really know like how um, the Hawks should really, really utilize him. Like, I guess, like, getting him mid-post ISOs does get him more touches, gets him... Like, it's kind of like the Celtics with the Kendrick Perkins thing where, like, they'd run a play for Kendrick Perkins um, at the beginning of every game just to make sure he, like, plays in his role for the rest of the game. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a tough situation there. Um, but, like, because Capello is also, like, he's fantastic as a role man, just like John Collins is. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit of a tough situation. I'm, I wonder how they're going to handle that in the playoffs. Like how much, I wonder how scalable Clint Capella's skill set is going to be to the playoff situations. Um, but that's a, that's a discussion for another day. Um, anyways, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook because um, he played great in this game. Um, didn't get a triple-double. One of his best games of the season. Like, I don't want to hear any triple-double garbage. Um, I talked about that last episode. Um, but he had 34 points. I want to... How many feet does it? He got to line eight times. Like, he was just in attack mode all game long. Um, like, part of it is just, like, kind of Beal being out kind of empowers Russell Westbrook to be the offense because, like... The only other option to like the, who who else is going to create offense is either going to be like Russell Westbrook or it's going to be some combination of Ish Smith and Howell Neto. Um, obviously, you prefer Westbrook creating. Um, and he did a really fantastic job. Um, he gotten into the restricted area nine times in this game, um, which is really really impressive for how the Hawks were playing. Like they were had the point of attack defender kind of dropping back on him in every single pick and roll. They were um, pretty much either they're most a lot of times they're going under. Um, they're also just having like. Clint Capella just camp out in the lane. Um, so, so for him to get nine shots around the rim is an impressive number. Um, he only made five. Um, that's still like 55.6%. Like that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. Like if you're making twos at that rate, that's above average. Um, pretty much. Um, he shot one for four from floater range, two of six from mid range, and then um, four for nine from three. Like, look, like they're baiting Russell Westbrook into shooting mid range shots all day long. If he's going to take them, it's a win for the defense every time. Um, six is a little bit too many for my taste, especially when you have Kevin Herter guarding you. Like, Russell Westbrook, I think, is, like, a lot quicker than Kevin Herter, and I think he's a lot stronger than him. Like, there's a couple of times where, like, he just kind of bullied him to the rim, um, and I just would have loved to see that a little bit more. Um, like, honestly, like, this is one of the few times where I would have said, like, like I would have been fine with an occasional Russell Westbrook post-up against Kevin Herter. Like, Kevin Herter's significantly taller than Russell Westbrook. Westbrook's just so much stronger. I think that he could like um, utilize his little drop step against him pretty well. Um, and then like try to power inside and like make a drop down pass to, you know, whoever the big is. Um, and so I think like, I would have liked to see that a couple of times, maybe. Um, but then like four for eight from above the break from three, like that's just, it's not his game. That's not sustainable, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How I, I don't know how I feel about Russell Westbrook's like scoring um, in this game, but I love the playmaking. Um, the playmaking is still phenomenal, like him pushing the ball in transition. I want to see. Um, so last game was like the 100th percentile for um, pushing the ball off live re- rebounds. This time it wasn't as much. Um, off live rebounds, the Wizards ran in transition um, 33% of the time, which is in the 71st um, percentile in terms of frequency. And their points per play was 130, um, which is a really, really high number. Um, so like, <laughs> who do you think causes that? That's Russell Westbrook. He increases i don't remember who did the study um i think it was nylon calculus um i think it was two years ago that they did this in 2019 that like russell westbrook increases the pace of his own team by like a higher margin than any other player in the league um obviously that was a younger version of russell westbrook but i think that he does do that just as much now and like i said last podcast like if you can increase the pace like increase how many how much your team gets out in transition like transition offense is way more efficient than half court offense um i wonder if i can pull up the stats um super quick where does play context um, I think cleaning the glass does have averages for the teams. Um, cause I do want to quantify like how big of a difference it is. Cause it is really, really big. Um, cleaning the glass is loading. Um, okay. So average points per play per cleaning the glass. Um, actually no, I'll do, wait, hold up. Let me look at something. Okay. So yeah. So average points per play per cleaning the glass and, um, half court offense is, um, 96.8. Um, which isn't that high. Um, obviously, that doesn't include offense rebounds and stuff like that um, because there's points per play. Um, and then that like does include turnovers. Um, but yeah, so 90, 96.8. Um, not that high. Um, in terms of transition, um, the average is 125.8. So 
I don't even <laughs> 125.8 minus 96.8 is what is that? 25 plus 4? 29. A difference of 29 points per play. Um, so yeah, get down transition. Like Russell Westbrook increasing your transition is a great thing. Um, also his passing is fantastic. Um so yeah, what do I want to talk about next? I do want to touch on um the Wizards closing lineup. Um, Rui Hachimura didn't close in this game. Um, he didn't do much when he was playing, but I think in terms of offsetting John Collins, I would have liked to see Rui Hachimura out there. Um, and also in terms of like just providing a little bit more offensively than Ish Smith does. Like Ish Smith, Howonetto, and Russell Westbrook is just a lineup that I don't understand the theory of because Ish Smith is his value derives from him handling the ball, like using his speed and change of pace and like handle to get inside the defense and then make plays that way. His his game is not derived off the ball. It doesn't make any sense. Like, and it's definitely not derived defensively. Um, so if you're going to have like an off-ball guy, I'd rather see Rui out there. Like He's been developing as a cutter throughout the whole season. Um, he's way, way better defensively. He's way better as a help guy. Um, maybe not better as a guy at the nail, but like he's probably going to be in that weak side corner anyways. Um, he's much better in that role. Like At least he can probably just disrupt a lob play or two. So I would have rather had Rui in the game late. Um, and Alex Len was in late. Um I don't know how I feel about that. Like, Alex Len has more meat on his bones than, than Daniel Gafford. Like, he's so much stronger. Um, but again, like, in terms of pick and roll coverage against Trey Young, the drop wasn't working. I would have gone to a hard hedge against Trey Young or like some sort of blitz or something. Um, just because the drop was getting killed, like, that was not a usable coverage against Trey Young. Um, so I would have, like, again, Gafford, like, I don't think he's, like, I don't know if he's better than. Um, either Robin Lopez or Alex Len um, as a basketball player right now. But like in terms of the flexibility, in terms of coverages that he gives you, um, obviously he's like way greater. Like you can put him out on the floor and have him not get destroyed because he's such a good athlete. If you ask him to switch, he can't do that. I think that if you ask him to hard hedge and blitz, I think that he can actually do that. Like the blitz or not the, the hard hedge with Bertans worked pretty well. I would have loved to see the Wizards do that with Daniel Gafford. Um, just to try to mix it up a little, like, especially at the end of the game when the Hawks are going on a massive run, like, what at that point, like, you got to try something different, um, just because, like, drop is just getting killed. Like, it didn't make any sense to me why they're just stuck with that. And just like it didn't make any sense to me why the Wizards stuck with the, um, the switching last game when they, like, don't even ever do that, anyways. Um, I want to say how far into this I am. Um, because I do want to, yeah, okay, 24 minutes. Okay, so super quickly, I want to talk about standing and implications. Um, NBA standings. Um, pulling it up super quick. Where should I pull it up? ESPN. Um, all right, so I'm looking at the standings on ESPN. Uh, it does include the game that was just played. Um, so at this point, the Wizards are one and a half games back of the Indiana Pacers. Um, I, at this point, I I don't even think, like, the Wizards, like, barely have a shot at getting to that eighth seed. Um, so yeah, that's not a good thing. Um, like, so playing the Pacers in the first round of the play and then playing the winner of the, like winning two games on the road and like single elimination is unbelievably tough. Um, so I don't love where the Wizards put themselves at with the losing the last two games. Um, but you know, like you, again, like single elimination, it's a high variability event. Like you never know what's going to happen. Like you watch March Madness every year. Um, you just don't know what these things like single, like a one game sample is not enough to evaluate a basketball team. Um, and I'm really, really excited. I really hope Bradley Beal is going to be back. Like the fact that they ruled him out for two games um, is like terrifying to me um, because usually like that doesn't happen. Um, if someone's like actually legitimately close to getting back, like I'm nervous that he's not going to be able to play um, in the plane. And that would be an absolute like disaster. Um, also just like 
hamstring injuries are not something to mess with like those can linger on you you don't want Bradley Beal to have like any problems with the hamstring like you want to make sure he's all the way back um because like bringing someone back early from an injury like that like that can cause problems um so yeah that's um I'm gonna go through my notes and that's gonna do it um for this episode um so for <laughs> the first thing I wrote is um, Trey Young and Bogey are killing the Wizards in pick and roll right now, which continues for the rest of the game. Um, weak side tag on the pick and roll. Defense is atrocious right now. Talked about that. Um, Hutchison minutes don't make no sense. Defense stopper who can't get stops. <laughs> I don't understand Hutchison. I don't understand the theory of him being out there at all. I just don't. Um, this Hawks matchup isn't great for Gafford um, defensively, but I still love his energy. Like he he does some stupid stuff like all the time. Like he makes tons of mistakes, but like he recovers. Um, and that's something like. I say tons on this like podcast, like, yeah, like you're going to make mistakes. Like people make mistakes in the NBA every single play, but like, if you don't recover, then that's where the issues really start. And like Gafford does recover. So that's something I do really, really like about him. Um, Gallo has his own pick and roll coverage of the head, just like Bertans. Talk about just, I don't know if I talked about that. Um, was are doing less switching? Um, yeah, talk about that. Um, talked about Trey Young against the drop. Um, Wizards have gotten a couple dunks by putting Young's man in the weak side corner in the pick and roll, forcing him to be the tagger. Would love to see the Wizards do more of that. They didn't do a ton of that, but when they did, I thought it was successful. Um, but again, like, Clint Capella is so good at playing that cat and mouse game in the um, drop, and then, like, the Wizards don't really have a floater threat at the level of Trey Young because no one in the history of basketball has ever had um, one like that. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it really didn't work as well um, just because of the threat of Capella. Um, yeah, Westbrook has some... Um, unsustainable shooting, but love the rim attacking so far. Um, and that continued, um, which was really a uh, welcome sight to see. Um, Akong was doing really well. I talked about that. Um, Hawks running a lot of double drag, but the Wizards doing it. Yeah, so last game, so the Wizards were in the same coverage against the double drag, double drag that they did last game. Um, but this game was just much cleaner. Like the switches were much better communicated. Um, like the drop after the second drag was much better. Like it was, it was just a, so much better around the board. Um, so that was, that was good that um, I guess they probably went through that in morning shoot around or whatever. Um, the non-capella defensive units for the Hawks just aren't very good. I want actually 20, minute, 20 minutes in, I want to super, super quickly look at the Atlanta Hawks um, non-capella minutes because like just in terms of the eye test, like the non, like the defense is pretty reliant on Capella um, just being like an unbelievably good rim protector. So I want to see, um, I want to see the Hawks defense without Clint Capella on the floor. So I'm going, this is, this is unclean the glass, uh, which I use for all my lineup data um, off the court. Um, see Clint Capella. Okay. Clean the glass is loading. Yeah. So the Hawks defense without Clint Capella on the floor um, is 119.1, which is in the eighth percentile. Um, with Clint Capella on the floor, um, the Hawks defense is at um, 109.8, which is in the 79th percentile. That is a ridiculous difference. Clint Capella should be top three in terms of defensive player. Like, he's a ridiculously good defender. Um, let's see. I completely lost where I was in, <laughs> in my notes. Um, Where's a good easy looks when they attack early? Um, yeah, like those like drag screens in transition with Russell Westbrook, like those are always really, really good. Um, and the Hawks just aren't well equipped to stop them, especially if like 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 I said, like I was just talking about, like if Clint Capella's not in position, then their defense kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, we're doing much better. I talked about that. Um, at this point, I bring personnel to bring guys up to level the screens um, or blitz. Um, yeah, I talked about that. Um, oh, Russ made this one incredible weak side defensive read. That's like the best defensive play I've seen to make all year. Um, where like um, Trey Young was trying to throw like one of those lobs. Um, and then like Russell Westbrook came over from the weak side and just like met John Collins, like at the top, like at the peak of it and just like swatted away. Um, that was awesome. Um, Hawks are going to bogey and 
going with bogey on Russ instead of Herter late. Like, neither of those guys are great point of attack defenders. So, um, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Next Wizards game is Saturday. No, Friday? Friday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, so, I have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.